Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. All right, just a simple little thing. Just go tell everyone. That's all. Just go tell everyone, right? Be easy for us to do. Good morning, you guys. My name is Gene. Um, I'm glad to be here with you guys this morning. Um, Today we're going to be working in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4. Just wanted to start off this morning as I was preparing this message this week. There was a scripture that made me think back to when I was a teenager. I notice we've got some teenagers over here. So when I talk about me being in high school, I'm talking about back in the 1900s. Um, (laughs) You know, we did have, we didn't have phones, but we did have cars that ran on gas and um, we had beepers. But anyway, um, when I was back in high school, in the summer times, I would spend a lot of time at my best friend's house, Hardy. And when I say a lot of time, I mean, I would spend sometimes a week or more at his house. And then I'd come home for a day or two and I'd be right back over there. Well, in the times when I would come back to my house, my mom would say things like, yep, I can definitely tell you've been hanging out with Hardy. And I didn't really understand what she meant. It turned out that I was pretty obnoxious back then, and so was Hardy. So I had my obnoxiousness, and now I'm mimicking his. And it just became this thing for her that was kind of over the top. If you parents have kids that, uh, that are very energetic. I believe that back in the 1900s, I might have been actually diagnosed as being hyperactive, but uh, wasn't so much of a thing then. So going through that, I never really understood it. But as it turns out, all of us know people that do that. You know, I think we all do that to some degree. When we get hanging out with our close friends or our family, we tend to mimic them in some ways. We might uh, kind of mimic their speech or mimic things that they do or say or how they act. And it's called mirroring. It's an actual thing. And it just basically is something that subconsciously happens to us um, whenever we're around people. And it w- will mimic their gestures and their, their speech patterns and even their attitudes. And there's another thing called social proximity effect. And what that basically means is that whoever you spend time with will have an impact on the way you behave. So if your golf game is terrible, then you probably need to go and play golf with Sammy or go play with Trey Bailey. Um, They're really good golfers. Uh, If you have a bad habit that you want to get rid of, you need to hang out with people that don't have that bad habit. And I promise you that it will make a difference. And that's relevant to our story today because the disciples spent a lot of time with Jesus. They had been with Jesus day in and day out. And the scripture that reminded me of this and thinking about how my mom, bless her heart, having to put up with me. Um, the, the scripture was Acts chapter 4, verse 13, which reads, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, but they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. 
And when I read that, I immediately thought back to my mom saying those things. Even my sister would say that, you know, um, and you guys know people that do this. You know, you get around someone that has an accent, you might find yourself kind of falling into that accent too. Or if someone talks kind of slower, you might talk a little slower for them, bless their heart, that kind of thing. We all kind of do that. We make these adjustments with who we're around. But more importantly, that statement causes us to ask the question, can people tell that I have been with Jesus? And I think it's an important, an important question for us if we're believers that we need to ask that. Can people tell that I've been with Jesus? Why is that important to us? Well, first of all, that question can keep us from deceiving ourselves by thinking that we're doing fine because we're giving and we're serving and we're doing these things and we're showing up. And, and by that, I mean, you know, well, I gave money this week or, you know, I showed up at church or, or you know, I, I went and helped somebody down the street. Those things are all wonderful. Don't get me wrong. But in the absence of being with Jesus, they're fruitless. It can cause us to miss the most important part. Because when we're with Jesus, being with him is anything but fruitless. If we're not being with Jesus, we're just going through the motions. And it's just kind of a religious thing. The news for that is that the world is not saved by religious people. The world is saved by people who have been with Jesus. Jesus' disciples were able to move mountains and, and bring people to Christ because they had been with Jesus. They had confidence in what they were speaking because they witnessed what Christ went through. They believed wholeheartedly in what he was doing. They were committed to his mission. And that's, that's something that we have to do. But when I talk about being with Jesus, I just want to take a, a quick time out there just to, to kind of explain what I mean. I have been very guilty in my life of waking up in the morning and having my quiet time and maybe praying and I might journal a little bit and then I go into my day and feel satisfied. I spent time with Jesus this morning. I got up and had my quiet time. Everything's good. That is good. It's a great place to start. I've seen posts where people um, say, you know, got up and had my morning coffee with Jesus. And you know what? That is a wonderful thing. But when we think about the disciples and what the disciples did, the disciples lived with Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They served with him. They fished with him. They hunted. They listened to him preach. He taught them. They argued over which one of them he liked more. They spent time together. They were with each other. And that's the key. We are disciples. If you're a believer in this room, you're a disciple. And you're called to spend time with Jesus. So how do people know if I've been with Jesus? One way is that people know we've been with Jesus when we cause others to praise Jesus. Look here what happened with Peter. And, and what's happening here is that Peter and John are getting ready to walk into the temple. And as they're walking up, there's a man on the side of the road who's crippled and he's asking for money. And they're heading into the temple. And this was a great place for the guy to be because during this time when people were going in, they wanted, you know, that was part of their, 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 um, their services that they would give money on their way in, try to help the less fortunate before they went into the temple. So it was really a good place for him to set up. But here comes Peter walking up 
and the man asks for money, and this is what happens. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. And then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Can we just stop right there for a second? I laugh when I read this sometimes because I think of the temple as being this sacred place, this holy place where people are going in and they're going in to pray and confessing these things. And I think of this guy kind of like this circus clown, like, woohoo, yes, I'm here, woo, look at me, I've got legs, I can run around, right in the middle of the temple. You guys aren't there, but <laughs> if you just think about that for a minute, I'm telling you, it is funny. You imagine if somebody did that in here right now, I'll just come running through here, I've been healed. Okay, so moving on from that, Thank you. That was called sympathy laughter. I learned about that in college. Okay. <laughs> All right. So then Peter, um, he had told, he told him to get up. And so of course he's running around leaping and praising God. And then all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized that he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. So how do we cause others to praise Jesus? Well, we do this by serving others, by giving them a hand up. You know, I know you think that, you know, Peter healed this man. Of course, you know, Jesus, he healed him in the name of Jesus. So Peter didn't heal him, but he's been healed. And you think, well, you know, I don't have the gift of healing. Can I tell you something? There's another aspect to that story. He walked up and he said, I don't have any money, but let me help you up, brother. Let me help you up. I don't have money, but I can help you up. If you're down, I can help you up. We all can help someone in some way. It doesn't have to be this supernatural healing. Do you know what kind of healing it does for a heart when someone's in need and you're able to meet that need for them? It may not be a physical healing, but I'm going to tell you something because I've experienced it myself and many of you have too. When someone goes out of their way to help you in your time of need, you praise God. Am I right? It's key. It's key for us, so give them a hand up. Meeting the needs of others has never been more important than it is right now. The time that we're in right now, it has never been more important than to meet those needs. There are people sitting among you right now that have needs that are unmet. And if they voice those through a connect card, then there are people in this church that look forward to meeting those needs for them. More importantly, there are people in your neighborhoods, where you live, where you work, where you shop that have needs. And people will know that you've been with Jesus if you take just a couple of minutes out of your day to help someone else. And we all are able to do this because it says in Peter 4, 10, and 11, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. We don't have to rely on our own strength and energies. God, the Spirit, will give us that in that time. All we have to do is just be obedient, being willing to go and do it. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. 
Amen. Another way that people know that we've been with Jesus is when we point others to Jesus. So what happens here now, after these people have seen him running like a circus clown through there, they all rush out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. And Peter saw this opportunity and dressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we have made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant, Jesus, by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded that the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses to this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance, but God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these great things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. We just simply have to point others to Jesus. That's all Peter did. Peter just simply pointed to the source of this miracle, of this healing. He just said, hey, this was not us. This wasn't us, this was Jesus. You guys know Jesus. He's the one that you guys condemned to death. Even whenever there was a chance to put the murder in his place, you chose to set the murderer free and let him be killed. And I realized that you were just, you, you were fully unaware of what you were doing. But I'm telling you now, through grace of God, that if you will repent, you can be saved. And that's what we do when we spend time with Jesus. Because when we spend time with Jesus, we are transformed. Our lives change. And when we have changed lives, we've got things that we can tell others about. It's not what I did. I didn't do it. I've been clean and sober from drugs and alcohol for over eight years. After being on that for 20 years, chained to it, that's not something I did, and I don't take credit for that. But I will not hesitate to go out and tell anyone about that, anyone I run into. I want to let them know that. I want to point them to Jesus. I want to say, look, this is how I was, and this is how I am, and the only reason that I'm this way now is because of him. But I still, when I get up here to preach, I ask myself, what have I done to deserve to be up here in front of you guys? And the answer is nothing. But Jesus did. Jesus made me a new creation. And if you're a believer in this room, you're a new creation too. And so you have something to talk about. We tell other people about what Jesus has done in our lives. We share him because of the change in our own lives. We share how he's changed us. And it's something that we should do more often. But then that brings us to the third point, which can be the tension in this, that people know we have been with Jesus when we are bold, even when others oppose us. Acts 4.7 says that, and this is after they had been arrested, John and Peter were arrested for what they did, and they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? 
I want you to understand something that in this particular time to identify with Christ could just about guarantee you imprisonment or even more death. Just to say, yeah, I was with him. It was so volatile that it could have just been death for you. But Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all of the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Now, here's what Peter was saying to them. Peter was just saying, he said, let me be clear to those of you who can arrest me and to kill me. I want to tell you whose name I used. You ask me whose name, let me clearly tell you his name. His name is Jesus, the man that you killed, but whom God raised from the dead. That's whose name. My friends, that's boldness. You're facing a possible jail time or death and you're going to stand for and say, yeah, I'm going to answer your question. I'm going to answer your question with boldness. Here's the reaction. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were just ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Sounds kind of like us. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could not see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing that the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they've performed this miracle sign, miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling everybody everything that we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. No one can ever argue a changed life. People can argue the little nuances. They can argue with you over scriptures and that kind of thing. But people can't argue over a changed life. If you were one way and you met Jesus and you're a new creation, they can't argue with that change. If they've known you across that change, it can't be argued. Maybe they could say, well, that didn't come from God. But they can't argue the fact that there's a change. Salvation is the world's greatest need. And we have the opportunity, we have the privilege and the responsibility to meet that need. But opposition tends to be our biggest fear because we often fear people resisting what we believe. But I gotta ask you, the people you're around every day at work, the people you walk by in the grocery store, do they even know what you believe? We fear their opposition to the gospel. We fear that they might oppose the gospel, but are we sharing it with them? You will never have opposition without a position. 
If you don't share the gospel and share your position on how you believe, you're never going to see any opposition. That's a safe way to live, but that is not how we're called to live. We are called to be bold in this, and we should share it. We're called to share it. Why would we not want to share it? There were famous magicians, Penn and Teller. Now, Penn, he was a a devout atheist. He was just self-proclaimed atheist. But he was even quoted as saying this in regards to people sharing. He said that someone came to one of his shows, one of his magic shows, that gave him a New Testament Bible, and then there were a few names and addresses, and he just handed it to him, and he said, I just wanted you to have this. And of that experience, Penn said this, I will always listen to someone who wants to share the gospel with me, not because I believe it, but because if they believe it strongly enough that they're willing to come and share it with me, then I'm going to listen to it. Because the flip side of that coin, he said, is how much do you have to hate me to know that there is an eternity in heaven and you choose not to share it with me? We can't live in fear of sharing the gospel. It's not on us to make them side with us. Our job is to share the gospel with them and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their lives and live the example and let them know that we are living with Jesus. And when I talk about this boldness, I want to clarify some things here too. Actually, I want to leave you with one more question. When you go out in public and you meet with people, maybe the first time or whatever, do you tell them you're a Christian? Do you tell them that you're a Christian or can they tell you're a Christian by the way you live? Because there's a big difference. There's a huge difference in those two things. So the boldness. Some people think boldness means this kind of overbearing, kind of aggressive kind of thing, but the Greek term for that translated, whether it be the word bold, boldly, or boldness, it means this. It means candor in the face of opposition. We should give a candid, clear, compassionate, compelling witness to the news of how sins can be forgiven in Jesus Christ and how we have personally experience that in our own lives. Because boldness is not being obnoxious. It's not, I'm going to shove this down your throat whether you want to hear it or not. People get enough of that in the world. Boldness can be very gentle. It can be kind and from a loving heart. It's not mean and it's not pushy. Boldness is just convinced. It's just convinced. And boldness in the face of opposition is the path to the salvation of others. If we approach them with love and boldness and we share the gospel with them, that's what leads them to salvation. That gives them that opportunity. We can't come at them any other way. We can't come at people. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So start simple with your family and your friends that have never experienced it. Build relationships with people. Let them know that you love them long before you try to share. Sometimes the situation presents itself where you can share it right away, but do it in love. If you want them to see Jesus' love, you need to show it, and you can only show it if you're living and being with him too.
I just want to say that if you're a believer in this room, you have a story. You have a changed life story that is customized and it's personalized to you specifically. And it doesn't matter if you've been saved for five minutes or if you've been saved for 50 years, you have a changed life God story that he has given you. So you don't have to know the Bible front to back. You don't have to know the answers to every question in Revelation. All you really need to do is say, look, this is how I was. I had an encounter with Jesus. I chose to follow him. And this is how I am now. You've presented them with a changed life and you don't have to defend that. If they've known you through that time, they see it. But it's that simple. Everyone who has accepted Christ has a changed life story to share. So be bold with it. Be bold because it's the truth. Peter was able to be bold whenever he stood there and talked in front of these people because you know what? He walked with Jesus when Jesus was living. He knew that Jesus was crucified. He went to the tomb and saw that the tomb was empty. And then he had breakfast with Christ after he was resurrected. He knew the truth. That's where that boldness comes from. It's being confident. I know what I know. I don't have to explain it. Just like the blind man that was healed, he's like, I can't explain it. All I know is I couldn't see, but now I can. It's just that simple. We're called to be the witnesses. But in order for us to do that, we have to have time with the Lord. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Because in just a few minutes, uh, I've got a few more items I want to cover before we leave today. So I'm going to ask them to come up because we're going to have a song and a, a time of prayer. We're going to have an altar call if, you, if you're comfortable, if you're bold enough. I hope that you are. But I'm going to give you some, some action steps this morning. So what do we do with this information? Number one is we follow Jesus. Okay, now I'm talking to those of you this morning who do not know Jesus Christ. And I know that there are people in here who don't know him. I know that there are people in here that are on the fence about it. But I want to talk to you this morning and just ask you, could you be bold? If you're in a situation in your life where you have tried to make things work on your own and you're out of options and you're out of ideas, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, take my yoke and I will give you rest. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you have an opportunity this morning to come and lay it at his feet. If you've gone through your life and you've got this emptiness inside you and you've tried so hard to fill that emptiness by buying this toy and this boat and this truck and this house and still this emptiness is inside you, he can fill it. Even more, he wants to fill it. If you're sitting here this morning and you feel like God could never love me, that was me. Don't let it cause you to run away for 20 years because you believe those lies like I did. You're worthy. You matter. You belong here. God has a purpose for you. And he's calling to you right now. In a minute, when I'm done, I just ask for you to just please be bold. We're going to have some people down front that would love to talk with you and they will help you with that. We can resolve it this morning. This is too important to walk out of here and leave it unsettled. Eternity is in the balance for you. And like with Penn, I love you guys too much to not share this good news with you.
So all I ask in return is to consider it. And if you feel conviction in here on it, I ask that you be bold enough to come forward and confess it. Number two, this goes more for the believers in the room. Be changed by Jesus. Be changed by Jesus. Now, how do you do that? We talked about this earlier. If you be changed by Jesus in word, by reading his word, in prayer, by spending time with other believers in growth groups, we don't have the benefit of Jesus physically being here with us. It would be nice if we did. But when Jesus would go off to pray, his disciples would still get together and they would talk and they would discuss things and sometimes argue about who, who, God, who Jesus loved more. But getting together like we are this morning, Jesus is here. Jesus is everywhere. He's with us no matter where we go. We have to be with him. So you do that through your prayer. You do that through reading the word, through attending church. If you're hurting, like I said earlier, and you're broken, if you need help, celebrate recovery. Many of you are familiar with it, but I'm going to tell you something. If you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with drugs, if you're dealing with alcohol, whatever it is, it's not just about drugs and alcohol. Come out. Be bold enough to step forward and say, you know what? I need help. It's not easy. I did it. It's not easy. But when you walk through these doors on Thursday night, you're going to meet people that love you because you know what? They've already came to that door. They already know how hard it is to walk in here and they will not judge you and they will not tell people who was here. But if you want to really be with Jesus, we have to get those things out. We got to make room. And this is a great place to do it. So I encourage you to do that. And if you want to hear other testimonies of people of changed lives so that you can also praise God because of what he's done, I encourage you to come out again because every other Thursday we have testimonies here where you hear someone come up here and tell you how God has changed their lives. And it's powerful and it's moving and it will provoke and make you want to be a better person. Don't forget your small groups. Hebrews warns us not to forsake meeting. It is so important for us to be around other believers. It's necessary. If we want to be healthier, if we want others to know we've been with Jesus, we've got to be with him. And then finally, be on mission with Jesus. When we live boldly, we can go out there and we can share our God story with people. We've all been given the great commission to go out and tell all the nations about this. And that's our duty. And you don't have to go across the world. You can start in your house with your kids, with your family. You can start in your neighborhood with your neighbors. Get to know them. Most of us don't even know our neighbors anymore. We can do those things. Such simple little things that we can do that are spending time with Jesus. Don't feel like you're on your own because we've been empowered with the Holy Spirit. We have the boldness in us and you may not feel it, but when you take that step out there, you're gonna feel that boldness like Peter did when he stood before these people who wanted to kill him and speak the truth because you have the truth inside you. You can do this. So where do we begin now? They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That's where we begin. We need to be with Jesus. We need to spend time with him. 
The reason is because the world is not saved by religious people, but by people like you that have been with Jesus. So there are gonna be people up here. I'm gonna invite you guys now. The band's gonna play a song. I'm gonna invite you to please come forward. If you wanna know more about learning, if you wanna know Christ finally, come up and talk to someone. If you wanna just come up and just say, you know what, Lord, I'm sorry. I haven't been with you like I should be. This is your opportunity. If you're comfortable with it, come and kneel at the altar. You can sit right where you're at and do it, but be bold in it, wherever you do it, be bold. It's in you already. So I'm just begging you, please, because this is too important. This is what God's called us to do. And you guys are all equipped to do it. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you, we love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.